The following audio is from Midtown Fellowship in Columbia, South Carolina. If you're interested in becoming a part of our extended family, visit midtowncolumbia.com partner. Uh, good morning. My name is Ryan. I am uh, one of the pastors uh, here at uh, Midtown. Uh, I'm normally serving over at our downtown church. Uh, helping oversee our recovery program. So recovery is for anybody who is dealing with something in life that just seems overwhelming, just seems unbeatable. So uh, we meet on Monday nights. We're, we're actually going to have our uh, final recovery meeting of the semester tomorrow night. So we're going to uh, have, a, have a big party to celebrate. We're going to uh, have, some, have some snacks and uh, just get in a circle and kind of share what God has been doing over the past 12 weeks through recovery. So uh, I say that to say if, 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 some, if recovery is something that you might be interested in, uh, we will be starting up again in October. So October 1st uh, at 6 o'clock at our downtown church, uh, recovery is uh, it's a place where anybody is welcome, and uh, we'd love to, love to see you there if that's what the Lord has for you. Um, I want to do a quick recap of, of where we've been. Uh, we're in week 13 of our personal liturgy uh, sermon series. Uh, and over the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at the spiritual in- enemy of cynicism. So uh, looking at how cynicism affects the way, that, the way that we think about God, but also the way that we operate, the way that we, uh, the way that we live our lives as, as Christians. So uh, last week we talked about that because of God's spirit, we're never alone, and that in every single moment, God's spirit is with us. This week, I want us to look at what does it look like to live a spirit-filled life. So practically, uh, what does it look like to live a more spirit-filled life? And I'm going to start by uh, sharing a a story that's, uh, at this point, uh, I'm three people removed from it. But uh, you're going to use this story to illustrate a truth. I'm not saying that this story is absolutely true. I I think that it is. Uh, I I believe uh, I've got got good sources uh, in this. But uh, one of my friends, Brandon, he's a pastor at our Lexington church. Brandon was doing the thing, you know, when you go uh, to a coffee shop and you like, you put on headphones, but you don't listen to music so you can hear what other people are saying. Do y'all do this too? Just me? No, no, no. We did. Okay. So that's what Brandon was doing. He, he was at a coffee shop over in Lexington. I think he was actually working on a sermon a few months ago. Uh, he wasn't listening to music. He was just overhearing the conversation next to him. Uh, and what, what intrigued him was that he could tell that the uh, the man and the woman beside him were talking about faith, and so he wanted to listen in, I guess, to hear what they had to say. Uh, as, the, as the story goes, the woman sitting beside Brandon was sharing with her friend uh, that the other day she was sitting at her computer at home, and she said the Holy Spirit prompted her. The Holy Spirit prompted her to pray for her neighbor, Beth. And she she was aware of Beth's story a little bit. She knew that Beth had some. Uh, Beth was lived right across the street from her. Had some uh, pretty serious medical conditions uh, going on. The doctors weren't really sure all that was happening, uh, but Beth was Beth was not doing too great. She was she was getting worse and worse progressively. She was uh, going to MUSC in Charleston uh, monthly, trying to figure out what was going on, and so. She was, as she was telling the story, she, she paused while she was working at her computer, and, and she said a prayer for Beth. She prayed for about 20 or 30 seconds, and she got back to work. A few moments later, she felt the prompting again. She said, pray for Beth. 
She was like, I just prayed for Beth. I need to pray again? All right, I'll pray again. She wanted to be faithful. She prayed again. Uh, she prayed a, a longer prayer this time. She prayed for about three or four minutes, asking God to move uh, in Beth's life to bring healing to Beth. After she finished praying, she went back to work and, and she felt again a prompting. And she was saying it was like I was being told, no, I need to go over to Beth's house and pray for her in person. And her first response is, I'm way too busy for that. I, I mean, that's weird also. I'm not going to do that. That's weird. I haven't seen Beth in a really long time. It would be uncomfortable. I don't want to make her uncomfortable. I don't want to feel uncomfortable. And after a few moments, she kept fe hearing, feeling this prompting of the Spirit. Go pray for Beth. And so after a while, she said, okay, God, I'll do this, but this is going to be weird, and I'm going to need you to clean up the aftermath of this awkwardness. So she went across the street, and uh, she knocked on the door. Beth's husband answered, and she asked her, hey, how's Beth doing? I, I, I want to pray for her. And he, you know, looked, looked sad and said, she, she's not doing great. Uh, the doctors don't know what's going on. Uh, but yeah, come on in. We, we would love for you to, to pray. So she walks into Beth's bedroom, and says, hey, Beth, I feel like I'm supposed to pray for you. I don't really know why. Is it okay if I pray for you? Beth was like, uh, I guess. She goes, uh, prays for her. As she's praying, as, as she's telling the story, she says that uh, it's almost as if she didn't even think about these words, but all of a sudden, out of her mouth came the phrase, God, I pray that you would give supernatural understanding to the doctors so that they would be able to find out what's going on with Beth and they would heal her. I pray that at her next appointment, you would just make it really clear. So she closed the prayer uh, and her husband, uh, Beth's husband, uh, has his eyes just fill filled with tears. And he said, did you know that we have an appointment tomorrow? And she was like, no, I, I had no idea. So fast forward to the next evening, uh, this woman is, again, sitting at home working on her computer, and she sees uh, Beth and her husband's car pull into the driveway. And then about 20 seconds later, she hears a knock on her door. She opens the door. She sees that the car is still running. It's in park, but it's in their driveway. It's still running. The, the door is open, and Beth's husband is, is standing in front of her door, his eyes full of tears, and he, gush, he gushes out. We're, we're sitting in the waiting room at MUSC. And the doctor comes and grabs Beth's chart, and he's looking at it, and he just looks at us, and, and with this grin says, I just figured out what was wrong, and I can fix it. So I don't know who Beth is. I'm just going to be honest. I, I don't know who the woman, I don't know who the woman that Brandon was overhearing talking to is, right? So on the, on the forefront, I, this could be, all made up. But that's, that's actually not the point of why I'm telling the story. The point is because when we hear this story, I think there's, uh, I'm going to generalize here a little bit, but one of three, three groupings of people uh, that you might, you might be, you might have this reaction. Group one, uh, a group of y'all in here, we're going to hear this story and we're going we're gonna to have just a big smile spread across our face. And you think, yeah, of course that happened. Praise God. I expect God to do things like this. God does this all the time. Why, why wouldn't he do this? 
That's group one. Group two, uh, group two, we heard the same story. We also have a little grin on our face, but it's, uh, it's a little more coy. Uh, our grin is, yeah, that story's cute. And those people who think it's true are cute too. But that's a coincidence. I mean, you can interpret all of these uh, coincidences as God moving if you want to, but it's pretty random. It just happened. Nice story, though. It's cute. That's group two. Group three, you might, be, you might be sitting in here, and we're thinking, we heard this story, and it's like, huh. I definitely believe that God could do that. But I, I don't think he's ever done that in my life. And I, I don't know that he will ever do that in my life. I hope that that's true, but I, I don't know. So that's oversimplified. I know that uh, as many of us in this room, we each have different uh, reactions to that story. But I think generally we're one of those three responses. I want you to hold that in the back of your mind because as we're looking through cynicism, we're, we're talking about cynicism, we're looking at, at God's invitation to invite us into his story, into his kingdom, in the way that, the way that he is uh, renewing all things, the way that he is drawing all things to himself. And as soon as we talk about God's spirit, some of us start to get a little bit nervous. It's like, ooh, where's this going? Because we've been in church before and we've seen this not go well. Or we've seen it get real weird real quick. I promise you, I, you may pass out, but it's not going to be because I'm slaining you in the spirit, okay? This is a safe space. You may pass out. It's not because of me. It's, I just might, I don't know, get a snack or something. But as soon as we talk about God's spirit, we, we start to get a little bit nervous. Even, even as we were talking about, uh, as we were a teaching team planning this sermon, I just looked over to Aunt and I was like, Aunt, I need you to help me here. I am struggling. I'm struggling. We get, because we, we've seen how this goes bad. There's a, there's a good chance that you've seen ways that people are hearing from God and it goes haywire. People who hear from God so that they can manipulate others. Uh, people who hear from God. So just yesterday I was listening to the radio. I never listened to Christian radio. I was listening to the radio and Caleb was doing their drive and the person was saying, there's someone that's listening right now that God is telling to give $100 a month. I was like, no, I'm not doing that. But I am using that in my sermon tomorrow. <clears throat> We've seen how this goes bad. People say, God, God told me, God told me, uh, God told me this. Or, you know, I just, I can't, uh, I can't be a part of a church because God just, God speaks to me in different ways than he speaks to the church. And it's just like, I just trust God. I'm, it's just me and God in this relationship. I want to be honest too about my own uh, hesitations uh, as we, as we dive into this. So, uh, before my parents are, are married, uh, before they were married, my dad was married to another woman. Her name is Sandy. Uh, we haven't had many spiritual conversations. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't generally get a lot of time with my dad's ex-wife. Uh, so we we have not had many spiritual conversations. So I want you to take what I say with a grain of salt. But uh, from my dad's testimony, from my uh, my sister's. Uh, kind of testimony about, not, not spiritual testimony, but just the way that they describe growing up and being married to Sandy. 
Sandy says that she's a Christian. Uh, one of the things that Sandy does regularly, she, she'll speak in tongues. Uh, she will just start praying in tongues uh, at, at random moments, sometimes when uh, just even at the dinner table, just seemingly very random times, she'll just start spouting off these utterances. She talks about she talked about re- regularly what the Holy Spirit was saying to her, and I don't want to I don't want to get into too much detail. But after she ended up having an affair, and my dad left her, my brother was really struggling with with their divorce. This was this was before I was born. This is back about eighty three, eighty four. Uh, my brother was really struggling, and uh, Sandy Sandy told my brother, you know, Zach, God. God wants your dad and I to get a divorce. This is his will. Uh, that has wrecked my brother in a lot of ways. That <laughs> if he were here, he probably wouldn't admit it, but if he were here, you would be able to tell. <laughs> and so that, that's, that was my first real experience with people hearing from the Holy Spirit. Is like, okay, like Sandy, my dad's ex-wife. One of our pastors was telling a story about a girl he was dating in college. They broke up, and he didn't, he didn't really get over it. And uh, then she met someone, and a few, few months later was engaged. And he just, he just knew that the Holy Spirit was telling him that she, he needed to talk her out of that engagement because they were supposed to be together. And he just, he just he loved her. Like, how could this not be from God. So one day he was driving and he saw this blue billboard and the girl that he liked, her name was Megan, her eyes were blue. So he's driving and he just randomly sees this blue billboard. And after he sees the billboard, his favorite worship song comes on the radio. And it's like, (laughs) he literally turns his car around, goes and talks to Megan and says, Hey, you need to break up with this guy. You need to be with me. And you know what happened? She said, no, I'm going to marry this guy. <laughs> so in our cynicism, I think we can be, it, it, there's, a, there's a tendency for us to uh, hear some of these stories and, and mock them. They're funny or they're sad. And if you don't laugh, you might start crying. So we got to laugh. So we hear these stories in our cynicism, and uh, we kind of venture toward this, this thought of, well, I'd rather, I'd rather not even think about the Holy Spirit because I just don't want it to get weird. Um, the problem with that is when Scripture uh, teaches us. In Ephesians 5.18, we see uh, we're called to be filled with the Holy Spirit. In John 14... Uh, Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. In John 16, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Galatians 5, we see all throughout scriptures, Galatians 5 those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. In the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit appears 
uh, almost 60 times. And 36 of those times he is speaking, he is guiding, he is instructing the church. And so we have to view this in, the, in, in a context. And the, the, the first part of this is that, that God, God is a speaking God. God is a speaking God. And his words are used to create. His words bring life. When, when God said, let there be light, there was light. If I were to command all the lights in the room to go off, they wouldn't. I don't have that power. God has that power. God invented communication. He walks with Adam and Eve, and he speaks with them in person. He speaks directly to Noah. He speaks to Abraham. He calls him out of his pagan worship, and he says, you're mine. And you know what happens? Abraham becomes his own. He speaks through the prophets. He speaks through dreams and visions. Sometimes uh, he's, he's loud. Sometimes he's soft. He speaks through a donkey at one point. The point is that, that God is a speaking God, that he is not mute. The other context that we got to view this in is that relationships are formed through communication. At a most fundamental level, relationships happen because we communicate. I had a friend visiting from Argentina a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he does not speak great English, and I do not speak great Spanish. And so the deepest conversation that we had was when we both had our phones out and we were typing in what we were going to say in Google Translate and pressing play, and then we could understand each other. <laughs> but that's how we had to communicate, because, and we formed a deeper friendship So we can, we can kind of view the, the, uh, the bad of hearing from God, all the ways that that goes wrong. That's like one ditch on the side of a road. And we don't want to go in the ditch. But there's another ditch on the other side of the road. And in that ditch, it says God is just a set of religious principles. He's not active. He's not living and uh, he's not speaking it's this idea of deism. It's not Christianity. Deism believes that there's a creator and, and like a clockmaker, he set up the universe. He made, it, he made it go. And then he just set it on a shelf and moved on. That's, that's not Christianity. And a lot of Christianity, uh, it follows in these footsteps, focusing on discovering and obeying all these principles, which isn't in its own right bad per se, but if we can combine following God into these set of principles with our natural cynicism, it, it doesn't lead us into relationship with God. It leads us to a religion. There's a safe distance between us and God. This might come out, uh, sure, I, I believe in God, but I don't expect to experience him every single day. Some days. Or maybe I did one time at camp. Uh, another problem with, uh, with hearing from God, uh, this, this, how we've seen it go off the rails, is that we can oftentimes use God as a GPS for our life. So uh, 
we want to go to God when we have a big decision coming up. What is, God, what do you think about this? What should I do? What should I do after I graduate college? Should I go to college? What, how am I going to pay for college? Right? All, should, I, should, should I get married? Should I uh, take this job? Should I take that job? Should we have kids now? That's when, that's when we're, we're glad to go to God. But that's not actually the biblical pattern of when God speaks. God doesn't, in, in the Bible, God doesn't speak to these big life decisions as much as he speaks to who we are as a person. What I mean by that is uh, the Holy Spirit and God's will, they're first, well, A, they're on the same team. They're best friends, right? The Holy Spirit does not act separately from God and his will. He is one, he, he, he is God. And they don't act independently one another. But first and foremost, they're focused on shaping God's people into to, to being a certain kind of people, not necessarily doing a certain kind of thing. So when we look through scripture and we see what is the will of God for this, it's not that you should do this, that, and the other thing. The will of God is often, this is the person that you need to become. It's not the things that you do. It's who you are. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. What is the will of God in this circumstance that I would give thanks? And sometimes that's easy. That's, of course, I'll give thanks. Sometimes that can be a really hard verse to obey. God, I have to give thanks right now? I don't want to give thanks. 1 Thessalonians 4.3, God's will for you is that you, you live holy and sanctified, that you abstain from sexual immorality. This is God's will for you, that you would abstain from sexual sin. And a lot of times we, what we do is we reject one part of God's will, but we're, we're trying to listen to him on other things. So sexuality, for example, is, is the example in this, in this passage. We say, God, I know that you say that sex is designed for a specific time and a place, but my sexuality belongs to me. I think I know how to best handle it. I don't need to wait until marriage till I have sex. We're, we're married in our hearts. I mean, come on. <laughs> we're already married in our hearts. I don't need to wait. But what is your will for my life in regards to who my friend should be or what my job? Do you see the inconsistency in that? God, I don't want your opinion on my sexuality. I do want your opinion on how can I make more money? <laughs> Uh, 1 Peter 3.17, God's will might be that we suffer for doing good. We suffer for doing good. God's will for you is that you would be the kind of person who is so committed to doing what is right, you're willing to do it even when it hurts. So with all that in mind, uh, I, I do, I do want to move... Uh, to be helpful and, and, and a little bit more practical. Uh, we've seen how it goes wrong. We don't want to do that. We don't want to go in that ditch. We also, we also don't want to become deists. We want to be Christians. 
So how do we be Christians? How do we live a, a spirit-filled life as followers of Jesus? First Thessalonians 5 uh, gives us some guardrails in, in verses 19 through 21. It says, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Test everything. Hold fast to what is good and abstain from every form of evil. Hold fast to what is good and test everything. So I want us to, to kind of, uh, I, want to, I want to give us five ways to hear from God, five ways to live a spirit-filled life. The first uh, is God's word. And this, this could be the only point in my sermon, if I wanted it to be. Uh, it's God's word. This is, the way that we live a, a spirit-filled life is that we are a people who are saturated in God's word. All scripture is God-breathed. All scripture is God-breathed. The spirit leads us into all truth according to John 16. So God's spirit is the one who inspired the writings of scripture. God cannot and will not contradict himself. Like I said earlier, uh, God's spirit and God's, God's will. Well, also God's, God's spirit and God's word, they're besties. They, they, don't, they don't go against one another. What that means for us is that the word of God, written and living, is the primary way God reveals himself. The word of God, written and living, is the primary way God reveals himself. It is not a primary way. What this means is that if you are not one who is saturated in Scripture, and what I mean by that, if you're not one who's, who is sitting under Scripture regularly, who is, who is reading Scripture regularly, who is uh, uh, learning Scripture, who is memorizing Scripture, who is uh, fighting to hide Scripture in your heart, if you're not saturated with Scripture, you're not trustworthy, you're not a trustworthy judge of how the Spirit is leading you. The Spirit, the Spirit speaks to us every time we open our Bible. And this is good news for when we don't feel it. We don't, uh, I'll speak for myself. Uh, there are times where I, where I open the Bible and I, and I work through a reading plan or work through a devotional or even just try to read the Psalms, just trying to get my heart to feel something. And I don't. I don't. And it's times like that where I need, I need to go to God and say, God, I don't, I don't feel this, and I need you to be stronger. I need you to be more real to me than my feelings. Because there's sometimes where we go to Scripture, and Scripture's not a magic pill that we take, and then our lives are just great. Scripture's not a magic pill that we take, and it's just easy to obey. But the word of God is the primary way that God reveals himself. So what this means is when you open your Bible, expect to hear from God. When I, do college, when I work with uh, college students, they'll, they'll oftentimes say, I just want to hear what God has to say for me. And the first thing I, I say, sometimes sarcastically, when's the last time you read your Bible? God speaks to you every single time you open the scriptures. It is his word. It's living. It's active. It's not just reading dry words. 
but it's asking him to lead, to guide, to confront us, to encourage us. This is the primary way that God speaks to his people. Uh, also, as we, are, as we are people who are saturated with God's word, uh, the, guard, the guardrail of uh, uh, test everything becomes a lot easier. It's hard to test everything if you don't know what the original looks like. It's hard to spot a phony copy if you're not really sure what the real thing actually is. So anytime someone comes up uh, and says, God told me to tell you this, the first question is, does that line up with God's word? Does that line up with scripture? If not, it, they may have had a spirit to tell them that, but it wasn't the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying it wasn't a spirit. I'm just saying that the Holy Spirit doesn't contradict God's word. I'm going to move on. Uh, the second, uh, a second way that we can live a spirit-filled life. How do we interpret uh, some of these promptings from the spirit is it, we do it through the church. Uh, there's a church plant in Antioch, and we see this in, in the book of Acts. The whole church is gathered together. They're worshiping. Acts 13, verse 2. While they were worshiping, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. The church, is, the church is gathered. They're worshiping the Lord. They're fasting. They're doing their thing. And the Holy Spirit's speaking. The Holy Spirit is, is moving and he's prompting them. And in Galatians 2, Paul says that he'd been doing gospel ministry for 14 years when the Holy Spirit prompted him to go to Jerusalem and to submit what he was teaching to the leaders of the church. And this is really helpful uh, when, when you think that God is, is, is prompting you in some way, when God is uh, calling you to say this to someone, it's really helpful to, to look at Galatians 2 and to see what Paul did was he took that to, to the elders of the church. And he said, does this line up? Help, help me see this. I feel like this is what God is saying to me, and I want to submit to your authority in that. This is what Paul did. And this is, this is what we encourage other Christians who have God's spirit as well. If, if they love Jesus and they love you, you should consider what they have to say. Uh, this is one of the, I would say probably the most common reason uh, that someone leaves our church family. And in, in working with care and recovery, I, I see this uh, pretty, pretty regularly uh, hypothetically, uh, it's a guy and a girl who are dating, and and they they want to get married, and so they talk to their life group, and uh, they're you know usually, usually the the guy's life group uh, is like I don't know it it seems a little soon there's some red flags. The girl's life group is like I don't know the, it, it feels like there's some red flags. Let's be patient in this. And hypothetically, they leave that conversation and get engaged the next day. Because when people around you 
are saying, hey, there's, there's red flags. Ask, ask a couple questions. Do they care about me? Do they love me? Or do they just want to manipulate me? Do they have a pattern of manipulating me in the past? If they don't have a pattern of manipulating you and they have a evidence that they care about you, listen to them. Give, give their voice some weight. The other option would be to go, go to what we call yes men, which are friends that always, always affirm you and always tell you what you're doing great. But maybe they're a little afraid to tell you the truth. Or maybe they're a little afraid to tell you the whole truth. What we see often happening uh, in pastoral care situations is people will, will share something with someone and they'll get confronted on it. And when they don't like that, they'll find someone who will affirm what they wanted to do anyway. And then say, yeah, the Holy Spirit was making it really clear. According to Scripture, that's not true. So through the church, we're able to... Uh, we're able to take these promptings and we're able to share them and say, am I seeing this clearly? Am I seeing this correctly? So we live a spirit-filled life primarily through God's word, also through the church. Uh, thirdly, in our giftings. 1 Corinthians uh, twelve seven says, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. And then he immediately goes into different gifts of the spirit that we're given as the church. And we, we learn what God is saying to us by looking at what God has put in us. Let me explain that. We learn what our giftedness is through community, through one another. So a uh, practical little side note. How do, I, how do I know what my gifts are? Three, three quick things. Affinity, ability, and affirmation. How do I know what my giftings are? Affinity. Well, what do you care about? What are you passionate about? What has God given you a heart for? What has God burdened you about? Maybe, maybe it's this. When you look out in our city or when you, when you read the newspaper, what are the things that keep coming up that really drag you down, that you really want to see God bring his kingdom come in a particular area? Or what are you interested in? What do you have an affinity for? And then if you <clears throat> take that affinity and ask, what is your ability? Do you have the ability to evoke change? What are you good at? A lot of times the Spirit gifted, gifts us, the, the gifts that we have from the Spirit align with our natural gifting. The Spirit sets those, those people on fire for His kingdom, for His glory. I have certain affinities that I, I don't have the ability to do anything about. I wish Carolina football would win a championship because it's hard living with so many Clemson fans. But I don't actually have any ability to change that. <laughs> Lastly, affirmation refers to what do other people see? What do other people call out in you? I remember when I, when I was doing our pastor and training program, Chris Kakaris is the pastor that, uh, that I worked most closely with in that I remember one day we were driving to breakfast and he said, Ryan, what, what's something you'd like to see yourself grow in before, you, before we ordain you, before you become a pastor? And I just told him, 
I want to get more practice in counseling. I want to get more practice in in one-on-one walking with people who are hurting. Because there's something about it that is really, really tiring, but is really life-giving at the same time. And he said, Ryan, you are already one of the most trusted people on our staff with counseling. Do you know that? And I said, no. No one had told me. <laughs> and I mean, it's, you know what I mean? It's like, I, no, no one had told me that. And, and honestly, when he told me that, that gave me confidence. That gave me uh, freedom to walk in that. So, so with affirmation, one question to ask is, who is it that told you, that affirmed you? If it's your mom, it might not count. Because <laughs> moms are the best, but they affirm things that they don't always need to affirm. Uh, we are, in this affirmation, we're trying to avoid, uh, you know when American Idol, and they have someone that comes up and it's just like, they can't sing. That's just a, a, an indication that that person doesn't have any real good friends. Because if they had a good friend, they would have said, listen, I love you. You do not need to do this. You do not need to do this. So that, that's, that's our gifting. Uh, fourthly, I'll, I'll just call it impressions. Impressions of God's spirit on our spirit. Uh, this is where the, the Beth story, the pray for Beth story kind of falls in. This is when God himself impresses on our hearts something maybe for ourselves maybe it's conviction of sin maybe it's encouragement uh i guess it was about three weeks ago i wasn't planning on sharing this but i'm going to share this uh maybe it's an impression uh i see the irony in that uh was uh, read, reading in scripture, and uh, I wish I would have prepared more because I, I can't even remember exactly what, what, the, what the verse was. But I felt very clearly uh, one of the ways that I was neglecting a specific friendship. Very clearly. Through reading God's word, the Holy Spirit impressed on my heart, you need to call this person. Someone, he lives in Raleigh, you know, it's like I haven't seen him in a year and a half, and so it's one of those friendships that's like, it's easy to be like, eh, it's okay. We haven't really been good friends in a few years anyway. And it, it was as clear as day, and when he, he answered the phone, I, I was like, hey, what's going on? And we got to talking, and uh, he ended up, he ended up sharing about uh, some medical stuff that was going on with his wife. And he said, you know, I, I didn't know that I was going to, I didn't really want to talk about it. I'm really glad you called. There are impressions of the spirit that, uh, that we don't have to be afraid of. There was, a, there was a time last semester I was walking uh, out of recovery after, after our uh, recovery meeting had ended. And there was a, a friend who was there, and it was clear as day in my mind that God, he, 
I, I, sh I shared with him, hey, I just, I have a word for you. I think it might be from the Lord. Would you, would you take it and ask him if this is for you? And I just, I just said, there's no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. And that was a specific example of a specific Bible verse. So I know that that is God's word, but it was directly applied to one person at one moment. And I didn't want to presume, like I don't want, we, we as pastors, uh, we have some experience both in our state and our denomination of pastors who <clears throat> will, will start a sermon by saying, God told me to tell, tell you this. Had a different sermon last night, and this morning I woke up, and God put this on my heart. When, when a pastor does that, when anyone does that, when they presume to speak for God, be, be careful. Be wise. I'm not saying that they're not, but take it to Scripture. Take it to the Lord. Finally, I want to uh, land the plane here, and uh, the way that we live a spirit-filled life is, uh, this is, this can be the hardest for me, but through our circumstances. We know that we are walking with the Spirit, we are living a spirit-filled life, and sometimes it happens by our circumstances. A scriptural, uh, from Scripture, 1 Corinthians 16, Paul tells the church in Corinth his plan to come visit after he visits Macedonia. In verse 8, he says, but I'll stay in Ephesus until Pentecost. For a wide door, for for a wide door for effective work has opened for me, and there are many adversaries. Paul had a plan. He had a plan. He was he was working his plan, and God changes his plan through his circumstances. God opened for Paul a wide door for effective work. And the reality is that one of the ways that God speaks to us is through our circumstances. He opens doors. He closes doors. I, you know, dating is a, it's easy to knock dating example, but it's a, a great example. I really, I did want to have a relationship with someone. So I asked them, and you know what? They said, no. God spoke to me through that. He said, this isn't for you. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean there weren't tears. Doesn't mean there weren't anger. Doesn't mean there weren't, what is wrong with her? Why wouldn't she? But, and I still don't know the answer to that. But I do know, I do know God's character. I do know of his covenant love toward me. I do know of his faithfulness towards me. So even in our circumstances, I have freedom. And you, Christian, you have freedom to know you're not missing out. I think this is, this is one of the keys to why we want to know what is, what is God's will for me is because we don't want to miss out. Christian, you cannot miss out on God's best for you. God's best for you is named Jesus, and you already have him. You cannot miss out on God's best. So when God closes a door or when God opens a door, you're free to walk or you're free to say, this is a closed door. I wish it were open, but it's closed. And I still have God's best. I have God's covenant love, God's covenant faithfulness towards me through the person and work of Jesus Christ. And Christian, you'll never lose it. You'll never lose it. In thinking through circumstances, 
I want to I close by reading this scripture over us. And I'm going to ask you to do something different. I'm asking you to stand. Uh, you can go ahead and stand. I just want to conclude with, uh, with this. When you're asking, what does God want me to do? This is the, the scripture that we read earlier. Ephesians 5, 15 through 20. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray for us. Father God, I thank you for uh, your spirit that you, you are a God who is consistent. We don't have to wonder, Father, what, uh, what you're leading us toward and if the way that you're leading us contradicts what you've already told us. Holy Spirit, I, I pray that you would uh, continue to point us to Christ when, when we seek you. That you would continue to point us to the hope that we have in him. Father, I pray that you would grow us in, in humility, that when we do experience impressions from your spirit, Father, that, that, that we would walk in wisdom, that we would walk in humility. And Jesus, I pray that uh, we would be a people who are, who are so saturated with your word that, that it, it just comes out of us naturally. That we, we would be a people who are, who are constantly being reminded of Scripture because we've hidden it in our hearts. Jesus, I pray that you would, uh, you would be over us, that you would be our king, that we would trust you and your sovereign uh, kingship when, when our circumstances aren't, aren't the ones that we wanted. I ask this uh, in your name and, and for your glory.